Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about, about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, uh, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything we say here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. This is episode 111, which we tentatively have titled something about we were left unsupervised because it's just me and Christopher. No Dirica, no Andrew. So the, while the parents are out of the room, the kids will talk prepping and murder hornets and some other cool stuff. And whatever else we happen to trip over along the way. <laughs> Because that's how we do it. Because we're unprofessional and we have no scripts. We just have... It's because we don't have scripts that we are the most professional podcast (laughs) on the internet. I feel like every time we say that, there should be like bells that go off. (laughs) (laughs) Or the sound sound of red flags flapping. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if whenever we say that, Andrew, we should have Andrew coming in with the chimes. (laughs) (laughs) Have a a Morgan or a Morgan Freeman in the voice, voice in the background, the narration. (laughs) They were not the most professional (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that would be really funny if we could get something like that. I mean... Well, then we'd have to do editing and all that good Not stuff. Not necessarily. And, all and, we'd have and, to have is somebody with a sound deck ready to go with it. Just whenever we say it, push the button, and there it goes. That's true. That's true. That would be a lot easier because editing is hard, and I'm lazy. And Well, and we know what happened last week with uh, the editing stuff. So, Did we ever get a video put up, or was it all just audio? No, no, there was no video. There was no I video. I didn't we think so. Said, I just put up the audio. I just put up put up both files raw, so you can you can hear the break in the uh, in the audio. So yeah, if you're if you're watching, um, I was recording and my computer froze, and so we had to record twice. Like we just picked it up where we left off, and. Uh, Andrew was going to do like a cool little vote video edit where like Wally Coyote hit a wall and there was a boom or something and be like, oh, yeah, we had uh, technical difficulties and then just go back right back into it. No, we're too fucking lazy. So we well, just... it sounded like it sounded like he was trying to get it done and then his computer started acting weird. Mm-hmm. That's what it's it's the it's the goddamn NSA and they didn't want us to put it out. <laughs> That's too bad because that was one of the better ones too. I think from a visual standpoint. Yeah, I mean it was. Let's see. Last week, I mean, we put it out. I put it out on uh, Wednesday, and it got normal amount of plays. Cool. So. So yeah, people listen to it. I'm sorry in advance. 
And we actually had I actually had one person reach out when we were talking about the uh, the sitting around the plate carriers. Yeah, S- sitting around in our underwear, drinking <laughs> beer, or or you know watching cartoons and like that. Um, one of the guys from a uh, Liberty Minded Medics. Um, um, they they reached out to me with a screenshot of the timestamp and be like. I feel so fucking called out. <laughs> There's some along those lines. So, I feel personally attacked by this highly relatable content. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that because we we've really been there. I can't either. Just because, like I like we were talking about before the before we started recording, you know, I'll put mine on and go out and do yard work just as kind of a conditioning exercise, <laughs> but as far as wearing it anywhere else i mean it lives in my trunk most of the time oh uh, yeah I'm, i was an alcoholic for like 15 years yeah i wore mine more than once in the house half naked <laughs> drunk probably ex- with with cheeto stains on the front <laughs> <laughs> small little fifth of jack in the mag pouch that's not a terrible idea. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how many I could, if I could get a beer in each pouch, and then. Well, there's um oh there's a company out there that actually makes a one beer that pouch? Uh, yeah it's not it's not a beer pouch but it's supposed to fit like white claws. Oh, I'm sure it's just bungees. You could stretch it out to fit to fit a beer, probably, or a bottle of Jameson. Now we're talking. <laughs> 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 Tactical hangover. <laughs> My wife comes home from work. She works overnight. She comes home in the morning. I'm passed out in the bathroom on the floor. <laughs> Plate carrier on, empty bottle of Jameson has rolled out of the pouch across the floor. <laughs> Straw still hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, just uh just your tack vest and a pair of camo Crocs. I don't even own any Crocs. Just my combat boots and my vest. Combat boots and your vest? There you go. Yeah. Train like you fight. That's right. All right. But since, since we're on that subject and it's just me and Christopher, we uh, amended the set list. And we're just going to talk about shit that we want to talk about. So we're going to get into prepping a little bit. Um, this article from... Bloomberg, but I'm going to read the Zero Hedge version because I fucking hate Bloomberg. So, I'm just get into it, I guess. But it's, uh, Americans are panic buying military and survivalist gear two weeks before the election. Oh, This my is God. my shock face. <laughs> Why weren't they doing this months ago? Years ago? <laughs> are my GERD? Okay. Uh, it's an alarming trend that we've observed before throughout the anxiety-ridden summer of the rolling COVID lockdowns and pandemic uncertainty, as well as the chaos of race protests and riots. Americans are stockpiling weapons and combat gear like there's no tomorrow, or rather, looking forward, or looking toward the near the near-term extreme unknowns coming post-election. That's kind of. That's that's like it's it's well written, but it's just fucking garbage. It is. I mean, <laughs> the way it's written is is great, but it's it's you can definitely tell they're trying to go for a specific narrative here. Oh, it's it's fear porn. It's it's absolute fear porn. But um um, 
surveying gun and tactical gun stores in cities, especially across the South. For example, Austin, uh, a new report in Bloomberg finds that, quote, less than two weeks before Election Day, orders are still rolling in. Since last year, online purchases have driven have driven a 20-fold jump in sales of goods like the $220 CM6M gas mask, resistant to beanbag rounds for mere safety in Austin, Texas. Yeah, cool. the, yeah. The, local, the local shop that Andrew and I visit, uh, Village Gunsmith, check them out on Facebook, by the way. They're, uh, they post some really good stuff. Um, they just started carrying Mira. Uh, I think Mira I think we've so. I think we've single handedly doubled the 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 reach and the number of likes on their Facebook page. It's possible, just because I know I know a couple of times like you've shared stuff of theirs on Wolf and stuff. Yeah. So, um, quote: It doesn't matter who gets elected. The tactical gear outlets fo- uh, founder Roman. Z-R-A-Z-H-E-V-S-K-I-Y. Uh, <laughs> you got me, man. Roman Z told Bloomberg <laughs> as he sees products fly off the shelves, quote, they think that no matter who wins, Biden or Trump, there are going to be people who are upset about the result. Uh, yeah. That is a no-shit <laughs> Sherlock statement. <laughs> I've, t- I've talked to so many people on both sides, and they all say the same thing. Well, if this guy wins, we're going to burn shit down. Okay. What if your guy wins? Well, I don't know. Then I'll be peaceful. <laughs> then you talk to the other guy, other people, and they're like, okay, yeah. so what happens if your guy wins? Nothing. All right, what happens if their guy wins? We're going to burn shit down. But if, you tell okay. people, but if you tell people the government is tyrannical and overpowered, they look at you like you just kicked their kitten. Right. They, they don't, it's like, so you're okay with your guy having all this extra power. Yeah. But but not that guy. Heaven forbid it be that guy. And then they don't uh, understand why why those of us in our particular neck of the woods don't vote. <laughs> the collapsitarian in me really hopes Joe Jorgensen wins. Oh, God. Because the left and right <laughs> will lose their absolute fucking collective minds. Yes, they would, and I would absolutely... I would die laughing. Oh, it would be... The memes would be just so fantastic. Well, I mean, the cats <sighs> Terry to me kind of doesn't... At the same time, doesn't really care who wins. Because all it's going to do is accelerate one side or the other. Uh-huh. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about it that whoever wins, or not wins, wins isn't the right word. Whoever is Whoever's selected, selected, yeah, selected, um, the debt's going to go up. Government's going to get bigger. Violence is going to happen. Yep. The economy is going to keep collapsing. Police just, are still going to keep killing everybody. Yep, it's just the way it works. Um, go back to the article. It says, uh, however. The Bloomberg report especially zeroes in on, quote, right-wing extremism. (sighs) That's why I didn't read the Bloomberg report, you guys. Uh, Right-wing extremism and uh, a new form of patriotism, which sees the, quote, survivalist look as a part of the lifestyle centering on preparation for the coming political unrest. The fuck is the survivalist look? If you don't have the will to survive, what the fuck are you still doing breathing? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, hot sellers include high-end body armor, plates costing hundreds of dollars, military-grade gas masks, tactical clothing, and gun accessories like laser sights and scopes. Okay. Um, <laughs> wait a second. Do these article writers not realize that we are also like a month away from a lot of states' deer hunting seasons too? I mean, oh my right god, now... he's got camo and a scope. He's a patriot. <laughs> I mean, the the rifle that I hunt deer with usually it's yeah. I, I am I'm almost ashamed to admit it. It's a bolt action with the scope on it. Oh no, it's such a dangerous thing. It has a scope. I mean, what? <laughs> it's a sniper rifle. Remember when that argument uh, was being made? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah. All I could do was shake my head. It's like, are you fucking serious? And then they would, and then they, they would make that argument, and then like you reply, and then they would say, "Well, the Second Amendment is about hunting." Right. That's why I have the scope. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Uh, noting that across the U.S., gun and ammo sales are surging with record prices as well as shortages. For example, some bullets for assault rifles. God damn, they use fucking uh. assault rifles. For example, some bullets for assault rifles selling for a whopping 50 cents per single round. The report underscores that business is booming for those stores like never before. Well, they're not wrong about the price of ammo. I have seen. I just recently went to a gun show this weekend at in my local town, and nine millimeter was selling for seventy five cents a round. Uh, five mm-hmm. five six was selling right around a buck a round in a lot of cases. Yep. Um, if if you can find five five six here in California, it's like eight hundred dollars a case. A case of a hundred or two hundred? A, a thousand. Oh, a thousand rounds for yeah. eighty cents a round. I mean that's. That's, yeah, that's 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 terrible. Double. That's double. Yeah, it is. But I mean, and that's fucking horrible. But yeah, that's cheaper than what a lot of people were paying for at the stupid gun show here. <laughs> I saw one guy who walked up to a table. He had six cases of five five six sitting there for a hundred. What was it? What did he have on those? I think he had them listed at a buck around. Wow. And he walked out with all six cases, paid cash. Wow. Yep. It was all 855, M855. <sighs> Fucking loco. Uh, let's see. Um, but the report still acknowledges that tr- uh, trend transcends political affiliation on either extremes of on the left or the right. One top DHS official who served as a former assistant secretary for threat prevention at the Department of Homeland said, quote, uh, it's evidence of what many people have been expressing concerns about for the last six months. The stress associated with the pandemic, a frustration or anger about various government mitigation efforts and the belief that those efforts are infringing on their individual liberties. Well, uh, because a, they are. That's another no shit Sherlock statement. Like, I mean, how like, how dense the, do you have to be to be sitting in your ivory tower of government mm-hmm. and thinking that people aren't going to be pissed when you tell them, "Oh, you can't go out in public without covering your face." Not not only that, but like like, sorry, you can't go see your grandma in the retirement home. Right. 
Like, I mean, in, sorry, in your, some your, cases, your mom, your mom is dying in this old folks home. Sorry, you can't go hold her hand because yep. of COVID restrictions. Yep. That's what and, um and uh, that, the... that happens in a lot of the the government owned facilities. I know some privately owned places. If somebody is in active hospice care, they'll toss those re- the restrictions out so that way family can come and visit. Well, a that, dying was, that was that was the. Uh... Uh, the issue in Kansas City, uh, there was a there was a guy that was arrested for um, conspiring to kidnap uh, the mayor of Kansas City. Yep. And and it was because of the guy's uh, the mayor's uh, restrictions on the guy visiting his mom in the retirement home. Mm-hmm. Like this was this wasn't some wacko, right? It's not some boogaloo boy, some libertarian, some fucking guy off his meds. This was a retired firefighter. Yep. Who had awards from the city for his bravery and for his conduct. Like, and he couldn't see his mom in the retirement home because of COVID restrictions. Like, like they drove him to that point. Yeah. Well, and you see that like with what the one we covered not that long ago with Michigan. Uh, with Michigan. Um, and there's one that we're going to cover later on too with Ohio. I mean, that's exa- – and you, you can go farther back. Before COVID and everything, Marvin Hemeyer. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, that's Killed exactly what happened with him. He mm-hmm. he tried to play by their rules, and they kept moving the goalposts on him, and it drove a otherwise reasonable person to do something unreasonable. Yep. Because the government was being unreasonable, and the more you push on that, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. You're going to get a lot more pushback from the people. And the perfect example of that is um, my daughter and I, before or earlier tonight when we got home, had a discussion. I told her, now I'm no Trump supporter, and everybody here who's listened to this podcast at all <laughs> over the last six months will know that. I asked her because she told me before that she supports Biden. I said, okay, I want you to make the case for me for Biden without mentioning Trump. <laughs> And she tried. I'll give. She gave me an honest effort, mm-hmm. but everything that she said, I could poke holes in really easy. Mm-hmm. And the same goes the other direction. Yeah. But the and the more and one of the things that she brought up was Biden has a plan to for the whole COVID thing. Say so, okay, but if we're all supposed to be in this together, we're all supposed to be working together. Why would he be playing politics if COVID is as serious as they paint it out to be? With a solution, when if he brought it out now, he'd win this election by or selection process by the freaking mm-hmm. landslide if it worked. <laughs> but he has but he then, hasn't yeah. But he hasn't brought up anything. Mm-hmm. And he did not say that um, <sighs> mandatory vaccinations. He he refused to answer that one. Yep. He beat around the bush so. Okay, back to the article. Um, gun sales have soared throughout the summer, going back to the early weeks of the pandemic lockdown in the spring. Um, yeah, uh, every single month have been higher, like record higher than last year and the year before. So, Well, not only that, I think gun sales have actually increased month over month this yeah. year, too. Yeah. And um, um, I can see that every time I go into the Village Gunsmith. Mm-hmm. They they're ordering they're getting semis. <laughs> well, that was that was <coughs> sorry that uh, that was the thing after the the first round of Trump bucks came out the the twelve hundred dollars mm-hmm. stimulus. 
um, I think it was uh, uh, like Coinbase recorded uh, a record number of sales that day for for Bitcoin, and mm-hmm. a lot of and a lot of them were for twelve hundred dollars. Right, people and were then, trying to get something that wasn't mm-hmm. going to lose yeah. value with the and inflation. Then, of yeah, and then that's and then that's also when the ammo scare, the ammo scarcity really kicked off. Yep. And the firearms scarcity really kicked off. Um, yep. And then also for um, um, freeze-dried and, and dehydrated foods, the Prepper website sold out so fucking fast. Because yep. so. people just didn't know. And they still don't. And that's why you're seeing, even even today, all the Prepper websites, all the emergency food websites, um, gun sales. I mean, using my local shop here as an example, they get a semis load worth mm-hmm. of ARs, AR parts, and handguns. And within three days, they're down to just about nothing in those three categories again. Mm-hmm. Because people are coming in and buying whatever they can get their hands on. I mean, even cheap guns like Tauruses and Skies and stuff like that are just flying out off the that's, shelves because that's what my, people can afford. My my local gun shop, Antioch Armory, um, like they won't advertise Glocks or... or Anything mm-hmm. polymer like that anymore because it sells it sells out so fucking fast. The only the only thing they have is like nineteen eleven, like twenty five hundred dollar Wilson nineteen elevens. Yep, those are the only thing like actually sitting on the shelves. Oh, wait, the no, thing- they did they did have a uh, a Vector Chris Vector pistol, um, for like three grand, and it sold in like wow. four hours. Yeah. Yeah, because we we have that we have the handgun roster, so everything has to be tested, so it dry, jacks up the price. Right. Yeah, no, he, uh, perfect example. But the one thing I will say is a lot of the shops around here aren't doing the price gouging. They're like here. I could go, I could go to uh, the Village Gunsmith tomorrow and mm-hmm. pick up a Canic TP9 SFX for less than five hundred dollars, which is pretty normal pricing for that gun. Um, at the gun show that I went to, there was a guy who had one on the sh- on the table that was an FFL table for seven fifty, and I watched that's, it sell. That's why we share memes from from them and not from any Armory. Yeah, uh, back to the article. Uh, pandemic related lockdown in the spring, um, and the potential for a contested election could bring this quote perfect storm of frustration and anxieties to the forefront in some civil war type of violence and clashes in urban settings. While such a prospect uh, as little as a year ago seemed far-fetched and overly conspiratorial, the experience of life in 2020 has left more people seeing that this is actually possible. Yeah, I mean, with, with and it all started with uh, Floyd. I mean, it it really started in earnest with George Floyd because the people people had finally had enough and they started actually doing something. Now, I, I will never condone the burning of private businesses, but when I watched the uh, precinct go up in smoke that day, uh-huh. oh, I was dancing the freaking jig in my living room watching that <laughs> live on YouTube. Uh. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's like finally that you see because you go all the way back to Ferguson and all you saw was private industry that was being damaged and destroyed. If people want to 
tell the government what they really think about their policies and their procedures when it comes to um, police brutality or the you know, victimless crimes, what have you. Burning the private industry, private businesses in the neighborhood around the precinct is not sending that message. See, now here's the thing. Like, the police have no obligation to protect you or yours. Right. Right. That is that is ruled by Scudis, the Supreme Court of the United States, several times. Yep. Right. That's 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 the basis of the Heller versus DC um, Heller decision. versus D, DC decision, right? Yep. But they'll arrest you eagerly for defending yourself or your business. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Like we said, you're on your own. Um, and unfortunately, as, as, as happy as I am to see all these people buying firearms and, and to buy all this gear and, and, and to really start to take, a, take, take an actual picture of what's happening yes. and, and, and start to understand what is really happening. And this isn't new. It's not a 2020 thing. Like if you guys remember back to 2012 when um, Obama was up for reelection. Remember, remember that all the, the panic buying. Remember the the, the yep. surge in gun sales, the surge in ammo sales. Like, like there were people going into their fucking bunkers, freaking out that the world was gonna end, that there was gonna be a civil war, and blah blah blah. And what happened? Not Nothing. a damn thing. Not a damn fucking thing happened. But that and was twenty. That was twenty twelve. This is that eight was years kind of later funny now. With twenty twelve, because I talked to some several people who were. They admitted, yes, I'm going to the polls and I'm going to vote for Obama again. Meanwhile, they're buying ARs, which Obama wanted to ban. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't so, think you understand here. <laughs> no. So. But, but I, you know, I, I just had to share that because I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was that was 2012. This is 2020. So it's it's. <sighs> Things are a lot more volatile, I would say, in the national discourse in 2020 than they were in 2012. I mean, by a very wide margin. Well, I mean, we've had three and a half years, or almost four years now of the media building it up and building That's it true. up and building it up. And even longer than that, if you if you go back to the um, election, the selection season before Trump was selected, right? So this is like... Mm -hmm. 2015 right so now we've had we've had five and a half years of this because yep. that was that was a long selection season with him and hillary jesus yep. that was a long selection season well and this one hasn't been really any shorter because we've been dealing with mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's been different because of covid it's so been it's, different but it's still just been as vitriolic as 2016 was well, I think I think it not only does it get uh, as vitriolic, I think it has to get more. I think it has to, it, I think it has to be more than the last one because people have to fake more outrage this time. Yeah. Right? You you can't you can't you can't express the same outrage in 2016 as or in 2020 as you did in 2016 because then you're like, "Oh, well, yeah, you know, that's that's all that you got." Right? Well, that's it doesn't matter because things things have to get worse. In order to justify their existence. And, and you know, it's funny because a lot, it's been a lot of the mainstream media 
that's been driving this. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you have a lot of your lefty politicians and stuff that have been driving it as far as, you know, the whole orange man bad and Russia, Russia, <laughs> Russia. But <clears throat> to be fair, orange man has not done himself any favors with the fucking Twitter. No. <laughs> if he put the damn fo- if he had put the damn Twitter down in January, the polls would be a fucking well, landslide. <laughs> I think the, <laughs> but, Trump's Trump's tweets were a gift to not oh. only as, not only as memers, but it was an absolute <laughs> gift to the people that use moral outrage as social currency. Yes, absolutely. but i mean if you really look at it from a a polls perspective and yes we all know that one one, one more one more quick thing on the media i i I will have two quick things on the media one is you you have to remember that the media the mainstream media is owned by what's like five or six corporations right i thought it was three so it's like five is it five I think it's five, and they all they all sit on uh, the Bilderberg table or the Bilderberg Council. But either, either way, what what I'm what I'm getting at is is media, all media, alternative media, mainstream media, whatever. It's all a for profit business. Mm-hmm. It's all a for profit business. So the the more that they can scare things up, the more they can sensationalize and and the fear porn, the more they can get that up, the more people that they have watching and reading. Then the more that they can get for advertising. Yep. Right. Which is so, why they've pushed everything as yeah. far as far as they have. And whether that's, intentionally that's or why, not. It's why you don't see good stories about police officers. No. Yes, there are good stories about police officers out there, but you don't see them in the media because they don't they don't bring in money. They don't bring in profit. Right. Because and, and when you do see one, it's usually about a 30 second read just it's a, to say hey it's this it's at the very end as the credits are starting to roll yep. and that's not to say that we believe by any stretch of the imagination that police are good as an organization because they're no. not and that every last one of them is going to enforce every last law with the same amount of zeal as they will yeah. look, you know, at the, the, look, at, look at the Mike Dunn arrest in Virginia for that one yeah the cop admitted it was an unconstitutional law, and he still arrested him. Yep. Meanwhile, but so, I mean, we're not saying that, you know, the cops are good or there's good cops or anything like that. What we're saying is occasionally police do do something that and makes them less of a piece of shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, and the, the second thing I wanted to get out real quick is is – uh, I have to crack on my libertarians for a minute. You know, they, they complain about the mainstream media not covering Joe. There's no fucking market incentive for them to no. cover Joe. Like, I get it. You love her. Blah, blah, blah. But she's pulling at like 1% to 3%. I right? saw I mean, one the other day not, where she was up to 6 They're not going They're not going to take time away from the meat and potatoes no. that is Biden and Trump and, and COVID. For a thirty-second spot on a third-party candidate that is pulling at one to three percent, if there, if there, <laughs> if there was a way to profit to 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 make a profit of Joe Jorgensen being on the stage debating, Joe Jorgensen would be on the stage debating. Mm-hmm. 
So and and, and, you as, know, and as libertarians and anarchists, you should fucking know that about market realities and market demand. Because uh, so. the 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 way the government has built and sold the American people from a very young age. 13-year, 15,000-hour mandatory indoctrination program. Multi-generational. Um, multi-generational. Statism starts at home. Um, so they have built this duopoly mm-hmm. of red versus blue, elephant versus jackass. Um, you know, they have built this and built it up over the last, what, century plus? Century 150 plus, yeah. years, maybe? So, I mean, it's going, if you really think that the, a third party candidate is going to break through anywhere in the mainstream, I mean, it's <laughs> <That's>, just not, <laughs> it's just not going to happen until people stop. And that's, and that's assuming your vote matters at all. Exactly. And that's assuming a lot of things. <laughs> that's assuming a lot of things. <laughs> but I mean, if you really think that your vote matters, then standing there and yelling, a vote for a third party is a wasted vote, or it's a vote for the other guy, you're stupid. <laughs> there's, an argument, there's an argument to be made that voting is stupid. To begin well, with. it is. And I'm... I'm trying to reach out to the statists who may listen to us to to try to, I don't know, break down their own opinions or maybe they're open-minded enough to listen. I don't know. But I'm trying to reach across to them and be like, look, if you really don't like what you're seeing right now from the reds and the blues, then if you really think that your vote matters, do something different. What is that definition of insanity? Doing the same fucking thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. Libertarian Party's been around for 50 years. Right at right at 50 years. I think it was founded in 71. Yeah. So and and, and even I mean, and even David David Nail himself, the founder of the Libertarian Party, eventually left the party. Right. So, because he knew that it was a losing he, gambit. I he mean called him, he called it foolish. He called their political ambitions foolish. Well, once you get and I can understand where he's coming from, because once you really look into everything that's going on with the Federal Election Commission and all that stuff, the system is rigged, people. It's absolutely rigged. The only people they want to have anywhere near the positions of power are those that they can control. Mm-hmm. And if they don't think they can control your Joe Jorgensen's or <laughs> anybody else... Look They're at, never look going like to get anywhere. There is, there is no, there is no corporate demand for a free market, and there never will be because then there wouldn't be any corporate corporations. Right. No. All right. Let's move on to this next one because this is this is the article I really wanted to get to tonight, and I wish we were all here for it. But I'm just I'm just gonna read. This is a, such a long piece. And it's done by Reuters, which is or Reuters Investigates, which is like their their special little branch. Yep. Um, but it's a really really long article, and it's white font on a black background, which makes me a little angry. But uh, 
Yeah, this is this is called Dying Inside: The Hidden Crisis in America's Jails. Um, and this is part one, by the way. This is part one, and it says why four thousand nine hundred ninety-eight have died in U.S. jails without getting their day in court. So this is this is five thousand people dying without ever seeing a judge or being able to to post bond or or anything like that. So uh, the U.S. government collects data or detailed data. Okay, no, we don't need to read that part. Uh, Harvey Hill, uh, who wouldn't leave John Vinnegan's front yard. He stood in the pouring rain, laughing at the sky, alarming his former boss's wife. Finnegan dialed 911. Quote, he needs a mental evaluation, the landscaper recalls telling the arriving officer. Instead, Hill, who was charged with trespassing and jailed on suspicion of a misdemeanor offense that could bring a $500 fine. It was a death sentence. The next day, May 6th, 2018, Hill's condition worsened. He flew into a rage at the Madison County Detention Center in Canton, Mississippi, throwing a checkerboard and striking a guard with a lunch tray. Three guards tackled the 35-year-old, pepper sprayed him, and kicked him repeatedly in the head. After handcuffing him, two guards slammed Hill into a concrete wall, previously unpublished jail surveillance video shows. Uh, they led him to a shower away from the cameras and beat him again, still handcuffed, a state investigation found. The guard said Hill was combative, exhibiting surprising strength that required force. I'm sorry, he's been restrained. You know, if he's out in the general area and he's been restrained and he's still being combative, one of two things needs to happen. One, he needs to be transferred out to a mental health facility where he can be properly restrained and treated. Or two, he needs to go back into his box with the door closed. And no, in- instead they took him to the showers and beat him. In- yeah, again. instead they took him to the showers and beat him pra- to freaking death. Yeah. Um, video showed Hill uh, writhing in pain in the infirmary when he was assessed by a licensed uh, practical nurse uh, but was not given medication. Mississippi law dictates that a doctor or higher credentialed nurse make decisions on medical interventions. But Hill was sent straight to an isolation cell where a guard pinned him to the floor, removed his handcuffs, and left him lying on cement. Hill crawled to the toilet. Then he stopped moving. No one checked on him for 46 minutes. When they did, he didn't have a pulse. Within hours, he was dead, and he has a lot of company. Hill is one of 7,571 inmate deaths Reuters documented in an unprecedented examination of, uh, morali- of mortality in more than 500 U.S. jails from 2008 to 2009. Death rates have soared in these lockups, rising at 35% over the decade ending last year. Casualties like Hill are typical, held, in, held on minor charges and dying without ever getting their day in court. At least two-thirds of the dead inmates identified by Reuters, 4,998 people, were never convicted of the charges on which they were being held. So these people convict minor, minor offenses, such as in this case, he was trespassing. Well, he wasn't even convicted. He was arrested. He wasn't even convicted, yes. He was arrested while he, he was, was... He had not even been arraigned yet. No. But what I'm saying is... is he was on private property where he shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. So he was trespassing. He was arrested for it, mm-hmm. which carries a $500 forfeiture, a tax, if you will. 
Yeah. And instead, they executed him. Tortured and executed he, him. Tortured and executed him because he had a mental health episode. Yeah. I as mean, Rob, as Rob Hustle said, this is what happens when you call the cops. Yeah. I mean, don't, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm having a mental health episode, if you call the cops, <laughs> it's not going to end well. Brandenburg yes. v. Ohio. Uh, yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, unlike state and federal prisons, which hold people convicted of serious crimes, jails are locally run lockups meant to detain people awaiting arraignment or trial or those serving short sentences. The toll of the toll of jail inmates who die without a case resolution subverts a fundamental tenet of the US criminal justice system. Innocent until proven guilty. Okay, I, I wanna unpack that for a minute because mm-hmm. we it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. However, look a fucking round you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, we I throw mean, people in cages without trial or arraignment or anything like that. I mean, that is that to me sounds like guilty until proven innocent. Well, and and you get executions for guilty mm-hmm. until proven innocent. I mean, look at what happened. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. In Arizona, just recently, he and his girlfriend were playing video games, and mm-hmm. it was Ryan, Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams, and somebody beat on his door at two o'clock in the morning. Well, what the hell are you going to do <laughs> if somebody beats on your door at two o'clock? If you have a gun, you're probably going to answer the door with a gun. Yeah. And he was shot in the back mm-hmm. and executed because. He answered the door as most people would if their door yep. was being knocked on at two o'clock in the fucking morning. He was executed because he was playing video games with his girlfriend. Yep. That is guilty until yeah. proven innocent. Yeah. Uh, quote, uh, a lot of people are dying and they've never been sentenced. And that's obviously a huge problem, said Nils Melzer, the United Nations special uh Rapportoire on torture and other inhumane punishments after reviewing the river's findings. Quote, you have to provide due process in all of these cases. You have to provide humane detention conditions in all of these cases. And you have to provide medical care in all of these cases. Okay, real quick, I have to point this out. This is coming from the United Nations, (laughs) where you've got people like Iran, uh, North Korea, who look what if you get look arrested what, look what the united nations did in haiti oh god <laughs> all go ask some of those 14 year old girls that were raped about the united nations so i, I just want to point that out that we're, we're talking about a group from the united nations it's the pot calling the kettle black ladies yeah, and gentlemen so all right I mean, um our article goes on uh the u.s constitution grants inmates core rights but those provisions are hard to enforce no, they're no, not. They're, they're really not. not. They're not hard to enforce. <laughs> uh, the Fourteenth Amendment guarantees fair treatment to pretrial detainees, but quote fair is open to interpretation by judge and juries. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that the Eighth Amendment ban on cruel punishment for, forbids quote deliberate indifference to a serious medical needs of a prisoner, but proving deliberate negligence is difficult. The what Sixth Amendment. The Sixth Amendment assures speedy trials, but that does, but it does not define speedy. Deliberate negligence. What about deliberate assault? 
<laughs> I, I, I'm no, I'm no medical professional. I'm no lawyer, but I would have to say that dragging someone into an area where there's no cameras and beating them um, is, is pretty delibra- fucking deliberate. deliberate. Is deliberate indifference to a serious medical needs of prisoners. Yeah. Especially after you already beat him, kicked him in the head multiple times, and right. then de- and then deleted the video. But as you're an IT guy, you know that nothing's ever really truly deleted. So, well, I mean, there are ways, but it it takes <laughs> it takes it takes a, a drill and even that even that can be done. But I mean, if, if you yeah. you know put the hard drives on some Tannerite and set it off or. Something I like that. Be. Sure, that is gone, but I mean, you oh, I can thought, use... I, I thought it was a warming plate for the microwave. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Reuters analysis revealed a confluence of factors that turned short jail stay into death sentences. Many jails are not subject to any enforceable standards for their operations or health care they provide. They typically gain little, if any, oversight. And bail requirements trap poorer inmates in pre-child detentions for long periods. Meanwhile, inmate populations have grown sicker, more damaged by mental illness, and plagued by addictions. This is my shocked fucking face. Yeah, totally, totally shocked. Uh, The 7,571 deaths identified by Reuters reflect those stresses. Most succumb to illness, something wanting for quality health care. More than 2,000 took their own lives, and mental breakdowns include some 1,500 awaiting trial or indictment. A growing number, more than 1 in 10 last year, died from acute effect of drugs and alcohol. Nearly 300 died after languishing behind bars, unconvicted for a year or more. But that's right. The magic parchment says you get a speedy fucking trial. <laughs> and don't forget, don't forget all, the, all the, the, the conservatives out there that will tell you, don't fight the police, just take your day in court. Right. What if it doesn't come? (sighs) Fucking hell. I mean, come on. Conservatives, if you're watching this, how, after hearing that paragraph right there, how can you still sit there and say that, oh, your day in court's going to come and it's going to be a fair trial? I mean, just, yeah, just, just trust the government. Just trust the system. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know all the details about what happened, but I'll use Andrew's uh, Andrew's story. They he never got a day in court. He ended up pleading on that that one disorderly conduct charge because they just dragged their feet. They dragged it out. They asked for continuance after continuance. They just dragged the whole fucking process out to the point where it became financially unsustainable for him to continue to try to go to court to fight the charge to the point where he just said, you know what? Fuck it. I need to move on with my life. And that is what they do to you. That is what the system that you're not supposed to. It's not, it's not, it's not just the system itself. It's also, there's also a lot of ego involved, especially when, especially when it comes to prosecutors and plea deals. Yep. Right. A, a, a prosecutor, a plea deal to a lesser charge is still a conviction. Yes. Right. So a, a prosecutor can still go and, you know, to to the uh, to the next election season and be like, look, 
Look at my record. Look at all these convictions. Look at all these bad people I've taken off the streets. And most of those, if you actually go and look at their convictions, are, hey, this guy was arrested for a felony charge of human trafficking, and he plead down, he pled down to a misdemeanor charge of possession with intent to deliver. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at... And then he walks. Well, I mean, what, one, of the, one of the things that we talked about uh, last episode, episode before, we talked about um, how 91% of the marijuana arrests last year were for simple possession. Yep. Right? It was like, it was like, like 565,000 people that were arrested for, for marijuana, uh, 91% of those for simple possession, and it was, it was more people that were arrested for marijuana than were arrested for all violent crimes combined. Oh, yep. That was that was last weekend. Yeah. It, it's at that point. How do you not question the validity of things like the drug war? Uh, I mean, you can thank people like Joe Biden for yeah. and his ominous crime bill, om, omnibus crime bill. Absolutely. But I mean, you how, how can you not look at stuff like that and go, how is this OK? The, especially in today's America, where more and more people. Mm-hmm. Are on board with La- the, hey, Mer- recreational- US, the United States. The United States has like, I think mean, it's like, it's like five percent of the world's population, or something like that. Seven percent of the world's population, and it has like twenty-five percent of the world's prisoners. Yeah, yeah, but we're the land of the free, and most of those prisoners are jailed for nonviolent offenses, usually possession of some kind of narcotic, mm-hmm. and I'd be willing to bet that a bulk that the bulk of those sitting in jail for possessions of narcotics are sitting there because of a fucking plant. Yeah. So this is, this is a really long article. Um, as always, our articles will, will be linked in the description. So I'm, I'm not going to go into it too much further because it is a huge black hole and it's just me and Christopher tonight. And, and it, honestly, if everybody else was here, we would have we wouldn't have made it that far into the article <laughs> no. because Andrew and Dierica would have gone off the fucking rails by now. <laughs> Andrew would be in the middle of a fucking four minute rant. Dierica would be rubbing her temples. <sighs> At least four minutes. Come on. Yeah, there's a good chance Andrew goes a full ten on this. He has good rants, though. He does. So he does. But. It's just I. I don't understand how anybody could look at this, and especially referencing those numbers from last week, and go, "The system works." I mean, seriously. From a, even looking at it from a status perspective, how could you look at this mm-hmm. in any way, size, shape, or form, and go? The system is is it, the system is great. The system works perfectly. Obviously, it doesn't because you have people who are not who are being held on tiny things. <laughs> trespassing, trespassing. I was standing in my boss's front fucking yard having, and got a, having death, having a mental issue, having a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. and I was he was uh-huh. murdered for it, I and then. Yeah, because of qualified immunity and all that other shit that they that the goddamn cops get away with on a regular basis, nobody is ever going to see jail time for killing this man. No, 
Uh, here's one for you. 17 states have no rules or oversight mechanisms for local jails. 17 states. Yes, a third, a third of the United States has no rules or oversight mechanism for local jails. Think about that for a second. One, of three, uh, one out of every three states that you may visit, you may accidentally run afoul. And you could end up being murdered because you made a simple error. Or maybe something happened you couldn't control, like the guy above who had a mental breakdown. And instead of getting treatment for his mental okay. breakdown, all right, all right, okay. he was murdered in fucking jail. Yeah, 17 states have no rules or overnight oversight mechanism for local jails. Uh, and five other low population states, all detention facilities are run by state corrections agencies. The other 28 have some form of standards, such as assessing inmates' health on arrival or checking on suicidal inmates at prescribed intervals. Yet those standards often are minimal. And at least six of those states, the agencies that write them, lack enforcement power or authority to refer substandard jails for investigation. So they have standards to meet, but they can't fucking do anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> but it's okay, because that magic parchment's going to protect your ass. Standards are minimal. And in six of those states, the agencies that write them lack enforcement power or the authority to refer substandard jails for investigation. So, so in six of the 28 states that actually have some form of standards, the overseers of those standards have no authority to require or to, to, to ask for an investigation or have any sort of enforcement powers to say, hey, you need to come, you need to meet these standards. <laughs> and I guarantee you the justification for all of that is because, well, these people, they all broke the law and they deserve to be treated like animals. I guarantee you, if you talk to some of the fucking, especially the Trump humpers out there, we're going, my thin blue line, God damn it. All right. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here's one. Uh, one example is the Marion County Jail in Indiana. A decrepit 65-year-old facility nicknamed The Fossil within the <laughs> Sheriff's Department. Overfilled and understaffed, the Marion County Jail had at least 45 deaths from 2009 to 2019. Yet local officials rejected pleas from two consecutive sheriffs for additional funding to bolster staffing and to build a new facility. Reuters found that the jail is among the two dozen with an average death rate of 3.5 deaths per 1,000 inmates, uh, at least double the national average from 2009 to 2019. And it's record with troubling on one of the most challenging problem plaguing jails, suicide, which accounted for more than a quarter of all U.S. jail deaths. I'm going to come, go out on a limb here and say most of these that reported as suicides were likely not suicides. Let's Just see, like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, the uh, Thomas Shane Mills, a married father of two, struggled for years with mental health and opiate addiction when he was arrested in 2016 on a misdemeanor drug possession warrant. On his second day in jail, he flung himself down a stairway and swallowed the contents of a chemical ice pack. 
put on suicide watch, Miles was given a, quote, suicide mock, a heavy hospital-style gown with Velcro, and placed in a monitored cell. That jail's policy, as well as the American Bar Association guidelines, dictated that suicidal, suicidal inmates be monitored continuously. On day six, Miles was given a jail uniform for a hearing and escorted down an un- underground hallway to a holding cell below the adjacent court building, a cell with no video monitor or clear sight lines for deputies. Left alone, he tore a strip of cloth from his collar, looped it over the door hinge, and hung himself. He was found unconscious 30 minutes after entering the cell. An internal inquiry said the supervising officer logged his rounds after the fact, leaving it unclear when Miles was checked. I'm sorry. I'm just going through that. All I can think is, what are the chances that this place, they said, Uh, he was in in an Uh, area that... Miles' suicide was the jail's seventh in just under 15 months. The fossil suicide rate ranked it, ranked it among the top 20 jails in the Reuter study. Seven in 15 months. Yeah. You would think that, like, suicidal inmates watching them, you know, that would be, like, part of SOP at that point. The SOP or, is or standard operating, standard operating procedure. procedure. But I mean, you would think so, but, I mean, go go take that a step further. If somebody is suicidal, the chances are they're having some kind of a mental episode, whether it's stress-related or what have you. Keeping them in fucking jail with all these other people is not, I repeat that, not going to help them with their suicidal tendencies. Get them some fucking help, you heartless pieces of shit. Pardon my rant. I mean, granted, I know it's not their job to protect people and what have you, but no, no duty, no obligation, no duty, no obligation. But at the same time, this just continues to hammer home the fact that these these people, these animals that run our so-called justice system are heartless careless pieces of human excrement who have zero hearts and not only that they hide behind it they sit there and constantly oh i'm just doing my job i'm doing what i'm told i'm doing what i'm told doing what you're told isn't fucking working these people are dying on your watch because you're a piece of garbage Yeah, it's insane. This this article is it's so intense. You guys you guys have, you guys got to go read this article. It's linked in the description. It's a long article and it's it's white lettering on a black background. Just so you know, it's uh I don't know. Some people don't mind it, but that really fucks with my eyes. So Christopher has a very angry face right now. He's he's very upset. Oh, I'm fuming right now. <laughs> I just <sighs> Well, let's see if we can make Christopher pop. Oh fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
This the name of this episode is Christopher. Christopher blows a gasket. <laughs> Joe Lee, uh, a Jolette police sergeant who alleged police misconduct in the death of Eric Leary has been arrested. <laughs> uh, You're just trying. You're fanning yeah. the fucking flames now. Yeah. Uh, a Jolie police police sergeant who went public with allegations of police misconduct and the death of a suspect has been arrested. Sergeant Javier Escuela was charged with two counts of official misconduct and was booked into the Kendall County Jail. Bond was set at $5,000, and Esqueda walked out of the facility on Wednesday afternoon. The felony charges mean that Esqueda could have five years in prison if he is found guilty. Uh, okay, quote, quote, I want justice for Eric Lurie, Esqueda said on Wednesday. I want officers in the county to come out and tell the truth. Uh, quote, something like this should not be happening if you're telling the truth. Esqueda, uh, 51 years old, Blew the whistle on the death of Leary, who uh, and has been stripped of his police powers and placed on administrative leave. Uh, Gillette police withheld the video of the arrest for five months. He believed the police department was trying to cover up the arrest. Quote, yes, I do. 100% Esqueda told us, uh, quote, I did the right thing. I'm a good, honest cop. Uh, there are calls to fire the two officers involved in Leary's death. They need more than fucking getting fired (laughs) hold on hold on the the two cops that killed the guy are still on the fucking job the The whistle the whistleblower has been arrested and relieved of his badge so the guy who is trying to do the right (laughs) fucking thing and stepped outside from behind the protection of the blue fucking line is sitting and facing five years on two felony charges of official misconduct because yeah. he told the truth about two cops who murdered a guy who was in their fucking car. Yeah. Uh, police Chief Alan Roshner said Esqueda's, quote, unauthorized access to video evidence that was involved in a criminal investigation is what ultimately led to him being placed on administrative duty. In one video clip, Sergeant Doug May slapped Lurie, called him a bitch, and then pinched his nose shut. The video also shows police hitting Lurie when he was in handcuffs and putting a police baton in his mouth. Like they literally shoved the baton down his throat trying to get him. I remember watching the video. Uh, After Lurie died, police said officers believed that there was a bag of drugs in his mouth. But Esqueda told uh, somebody earlier in the year that even if that was the case... He doesn't believe officers should have taken the actions that could have cut off Leary's air supply. He's absolutely right. These cops literally abused and tortured a man in the backseat of a squad car. On video. On video. Uh Because they suspected, potentially or theoretically suspected, that he had a bag of narcotics. Yeah. Uh, Quote, uh, that's been written into law for a few years now, Esqueda said. Quote, you can't do that anymore to try to get them to cough up any kind of drugs in their system. I can't think of anywhere where I was taught CPR or in the academy when you slap a man, call him a bad name, cut off his airway, go for his throat. Esqueda said he cried when he saw the video, which you know was shared around. Oh, yeah. I, like, I said, like I said, I saw the video They re, when the media got it. 
I watched the damn video and I remember watching it going, why are these two cops still alive? Brandenburg yeah. v. Ohio. But I mean, <laughs> why are these, the, just their actions alone and that one video, you get, I'm guaranteeing you they've done this to other people and they just didn't die from it. Yeah. Uh, the Will County Coroner's Office ruled Larry's death was due to heroin, fentanyl, and cocaine intoxication. The autopsy report obtained by CBS2 does not mention whether the squad car video was reviewed before the coroner office issued its ruling back in March. Uh, Jolette finally released three hours of video related to the investigation. Uh, this was not the first time there had been questions about police transparency surrounding uh, Larry's death. In her interview with CBS2, Larry's widow, Nicole, said she was denied access to all police reports. She only found out a video uh, from a camera mounted inside the police car of the night exists because CBS found out and told her. Okay, so let me break this down into the simplest fucking terms for, you, for everybody. The long story short, this guy was arrested. They threw him in the back of the squad car, and because they had this feeling that he swallowed a bag of drugs. Yes. They subjected him to torture in the backseat of the squad car to get him to regurgitate said bag of drugs. In the process, they murdered him. So now, based straight out of this article, it's a law that they can't do that anymore to get them to cough up the drugs. So they broke the law there. Then they murdered a man while breaking the law. So now they've broken two laws for those <laughs> keeping track. Meanwhile, these two pieces of shit are still cops. They're still out there on the road. So they can do this shit again and again and again. Meanwhile, the guy who is trying to hold them accountable for their actions... <laughs> Is facing five years and a felony charge. Two, fel two felony two charges. Two felony charges. Uh -huh. Thereby stripping him of his rights for trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Two, if you think. Two, two counts of official misconduct because he released the video. If you think for one second that they have anything but their own best interest at heart. You need a helicopter ride. <laughs> to look at the oceanfront property I have in Arizona for sale? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so goddamn infuriating. <laughs> there are, you know, options exist. I'm just putting that out there. Brandenburg v. Ohio. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's nobody near Brandenburg v. Ohio on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, be a beekeeper has dumped a nest of giant Asian hornets outside a town hall in France. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this story. Uh, local, local beekeeper Christian Grasland uh, delivered the nest with more than 1,000 bees. This is the murder hornets, right? <laughs> bees to it. Delivered the nest with more than a thousand bees into the, into a municipal building in the northwestern town of Marion, in France's Brittany region. 
Mr. Grassland took matters into his own hands in protest of the government's inability to take action to control the killer species. <sighs> oh, did he release them? Uh, no. Or did he, he just throw the bag? He had, he had requested the local government destroy the nest a few days earlier, but was declined. Quote, I was refused on the fact that the nest is on private domain, he told the French newspaper Quest France. Uh, quote, if the nest is so dangerous at the door of the town hall, and I am a fool for having placed it there, why is it not quite as crazy to leave it outside a private house? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what he said, yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I... I really wish he would have just opened the bag, like walked inside in his full beekeeper getup, and yeah. opened the bag and cut him loose. Uh, the Asian hornets, yeah, the Asian hornets are the largest member of the wasp family and have been reported to grow up to five centimeters long. Holy crap, that's two inches. Yeah, that's, they're that's, big bastards. That's a big fucking wasp. Holy shit. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, uh, this particular wasp is in the top. Five most painful things, something like that. Yeah, uh, has a toxic venom that can cause human excessive pain, and in rare cases even death. Um, Sweet, like Marian... I said, should have opened the bag and just cut them loose, man. Marion Mayor Eves Chosless confirmed the incident, <laughs> condemning Mr. Grissom's actions. Quote, a nest of Asian hornets was deposited Monday, October 12, 2020, uh, 2020, in the morning in front of the entrance to our town hall. I have nothing against beekeepers who also, who also worked as a destroyer of the hornet's nest, but this was wrong because it endangered our fellow citizens. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. He left him in the bag. He didn't endanger anybody. <laughs> All he did was drop it off for you to dispose of. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they're they are not pretty little sons of bitches at all. No, they're not. Those, they're... Those, that is not that is not a good looking animal. I I have seen videos of them where you can watch their stingers go out and back in as when you piss them off. It it's well yeah they're wasps but not bees. Well, I mean even. Even with bee or even the larger bee species, you can you can still see it. But I mean, they just the stinger itself is intimidating to look at. It, it's yeah, fucking terrifying they're all shit. fucking intimidating to look at. See, like our like our local wasps and stuff. I don't feel intimidated by them, but we have a species of wasp around here that it's a carnivorous wasp, but it's solitary. Mm-hmm. And they look very similar. The things are goddamn huge. Yeah, I I call I call all of them fucky bugs. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, bees, uh, wasps, roaches—they're all fucky the, bugs. The bees don't bother me. Uh, we have down below our house here. There's some uh, dead wood laying down, and I know that there's a couple of nests of carpenter bees in there and stuff. They don't bother me. They're they're just out there pollinating our flowers. They're making sure our vegetable garden grows. That's fine, but. Then we had a nest of paper wasps take oh. up residence outside my son's bedroom window. Hell no. And we're like, uh, I'm glad that next week it's going to be 30 degrees. <laughs> oh. That's what I'm looking forward to. We don't get 30 degrees, but we get like 50s. And we'll drop into the 40s at night. And sometimes we'll drop into the 30s. But I'm just waiting for the fucking mosquitoes to die. Well, I think, uh, I think the high temperature today might have been 31. High temperature today was like 75. 
No. All right, let's uh, let's get on to another article because I don't know, we're bored. Uh, Eping restaurant chooses to close rather than require masks. This is Eping, New Hampshire. They're just across the border from uh, Massachusetts. Um, quote: What happened to live free or die? Is the question posed on the sign outside of Roslyn Homemade Ice Cream? The restaurant closed Sunday until further notice after owner Joseph Boge refused to require that a handful of employees wear face masks. A defiant Boge hasn't mandated masks or asked the public to wear them, despite the state's COVID-19 guidance requiring restaurant employees in direct contact with customers to wear face coverings. Boge said he got the call from the state attorney general office on October 15th, informing him that someone had complained that the restaurant at 153 Exeter Road wasn't requiring masks. He was given until early this week to come up with a plan, but instead of adopting a mask mandate, Boge decided to close. Quote, this is just, unfortunately, something where they're using a scare tactic to control. We made the hard decision. Either we followed the sheep or we stood our ground which we've done from day one, that everybody should have a free right on their decision. Rather than have the state send somebody in here to pull my license, we decided that we'll do it on our terms, and until we can get this straightened out, we will just stay closed. Uh, The restaurant, which serves breakfast and lunch, but also makes homemade ice cream and baked goods. When the restaurant is, when when the rest, or while the restaurant side is closed, Boge said ice cream will continue to be sold by masked employee until it is gone, which will likely be at the end of the week. At that point, the entire business will remain closed until the state lifts its mask rules for restaurants. Quote, a lot of our customers that we were here, or that, or sorry. Quote, a lot of our customers that were here yesterday and Saturday said that one of the reasons they came here was because this is one of the places that they felt a sense of normalcy, um, which is a big deal. The, sen- the sense of normality is, is something that I've had a lot of trouble adjusting to, um, call it normalcy bias or whatever, but like going out in public and seeing masks and, and not being able to see people's mouths, you know, when, when they talk or not being able to see people's smiles. Um, it's yeah. Fuck it. it's fucking depressing. It's depressing and it's it, honestly it's kind of creepy. It's it's You're, I don't it feel it feels like it feels inhumane. You know? I can see that. Like there's there's no um well not no but like there's no there's no real ability to like instantly connect with people, right? Like you see someone smile, you see them nod, right? And, I mean that's that's a, a quick connection, you an uh, acknowledgement. Right. But without without that, it just it feels feels empty. It feels hollow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Boge says that most of the workers are family members, and some have health issues that make it difficult to wear a mask. He said he was told that he needed to present doctor's notes for his workers who couldn't wear masks, and as an alternative, they would be able to wear face shields. Boge said face shields aren't feasible either, especially for the dishwasher. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> that hot water that steams up that mask it doesn't matter uh you and i both wear glasses i mean yep. wearing masks is damn near impossible when we have to just because our glasses steam up yep where the hell does that air go if it doesn't if it can't go through the mask it goes right straight up into your yep. goddamn eyeballs um 
Bose said uh, feasible. Either express the dishwasher. Uh, he insisted that the restaurant has gone above and beyond with sanitizing. Uh, quote, last I knew, we still lived in New Hampshire, which was the live free or die state. It should be a customer's or a business's choice if they are going to mask or not. Nobody is saying that you have to come in. We all know that salt causes high sodium, which kills people, but people are still allowed to decide if they want to put salt on their food or not. Um, quote, it's definitely going to impact our lives. If I have to chew up my savings over time, I will do so, but I will not bow down. Well, I mean, good for him. I mean, that's that's the kind of that's the only thing that's really going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things when it comes to getting back to some sorts of normalcy. Uh-huh. Because I, I mean, I read an article the other day where it says there's two uh, or there's two ways that a pandemic ends. One is a medical end where you know you have herd immunity, that kind of stuff. And the other is a social end where everybody says, you know what? I've had enough of this shit. I accept the risk and I'm going to live my fucking life. Yeah. And the problem is, is nobody in the, at any level of government is willing to accept that we are actually coming to a social end for this pandemic. I see people all over the place, lefty, left, left people, right people, everybody that have just had enough and they want to live their goddamn life. Well, not only that, but like the government played its hand when, mm-hmm. or the government not played its hand. The government showed its hand when they told contact tracers to not ask about people's um, protesting. Yeah, right. Like if 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 we if if we can't ask about people's protesting, which means people are allowed to protest, which means that the virus isn't nearly as bad mm-hmm. as the government's laid on. And again, as we talked about earlier. <laughs> Media is a for-profit business. Yep. The more they can sensationalize, the more they can bring people in, the more fear porn they can put out, the more they can get for advertising. Which comes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where the media is only going to give you the information, as like what Jason was just saying. The media is only going to give you the information that's going to drive you into a tizzy. Yep. That's all they care about. Get you, get your, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck raised up. I gotta find a place for my empties here, Jesus. Um, fear, <laughs> I might have. Fear, yeah, fear and anger are two of the easiest emotions to play on. Yep. And the only, and I've seen, the only thing that's more, more uh, powerful than fear is hope. And uh-huh. people right now don't feel any hope because they feel so much fear as being peddled by the media. By especially the politicians on the left. I'm not going to say that uh, those on the right are absolved of anything here because it's absolutely not. But the left has driven this fear to the point and their mouthpieces and the propaganda wing of the government, a.k.a. the media. um, What's what's the saying? Uh, Hollywood is the fourth branch of the government. Right. Um, They have driven this home to the point where you know people are feeling hopeless they're feeling terrified mm-hmm. and because they're feeling that that's what's leading to going back to the first article with, about the preppers and everybody buying all this gear that's what's driving that is people feel hopeless because their states aren't because they look to the government for their solutions rather than looking to themselves looking to their friends their family their neighbors. 
that's yeah. where you that's where you're going to find the solution isn't it's not going to be you know some massive edict from creepy uncle joe or the grand chairman cheeto sitting on high in their ivory tower that's going to fix this it's going to be if you really think that coronavirus covid19 is as dangerous as the media says the solution is going to come from your local community from your yeah. neighbors <laughs> your friends your family your coworkers. That's where you're going to find your answer. It's not going to come from government. No. Government is part of the problem. Oh. Government is a big part of the problem. It's the majority of the problem, in my not-so-humble opinion. So, speaking of government being part of the problem... Uh-oh. DEA launches Project oh, Safeguard. This would have been a good one to follow up to other two that just about had my brain exploding from anger. Well, I, I wanted you I didn't want you to pop because I, oh. I didn't want to have to do this by myself. But now you're going to wind me back up and that's just not going to end well. Well, we got one more after this one and it's a good one. It's peaceful, at least. So DEA launches Project Safeguard, an incentive or in, initiative aims to reduce violence and illegal drug trafficking. <laughs> what? I'm going to translate this for those of you playing at home. Uh, this is an, an initiative that they're launching to justify their own existence. existence. And 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 just what? Like, what? Just what, like the ATF what, and yeah. their meet their stupid letters and all that. <laughs> it is an an attempt to justify their own existence. DEA bus DEA plot. <laughs> I was going to say DEA bus CIA plot, but yeah, same same idea. <laughs> Freeway Rick Ross. Alright. Um but this is this is like what what happens when there's a drug crack a crackdown on, on, on drugs, right? When they they launch the war on drugs, what happened, right? The black market, which sells drugs, got ultra competitive because it got more dangerous, which means the profits went up because people started charging more because it was dangerous, which means people got in because of the high profits. People yep. didn't want competition, which means it got violent. What do you think is going to happen now? <laughs> let's uh, let's wait to see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'll um, take shit's gonna hit the fan for a thousand, Alex. Yeah, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration says it will direct efforts to help reduce violence and illegal drug trafficking in communities with a new initiative. DEA Acting Administrator Timothy J. Shea said Tuesday the initiative called Project Safeguard aims to identify and prioritize ongoing drug traffickers and connections to violent crimes across the country. Okay, I, before we go any further, I want to point this out. Going back to what you said about how the black market pricing, everything went mm -hmm. way up after the announcement of the original drug war. So... The answer to government being a problem by creating this drug war in the first place is more government, apparently, according to the DEA. More government is never the answer to issues created because of government. Ever. That's a Jason Booth original. You can quote me. Uh, quote, drug crafting and violent crimes are inexplicably linked. In no, really? Really? I'm shocked. Um, Could it be because you created the fucking problem? From the extreme levels of violence of Mexican cartels, I roll, to the open-air drug markets in American cities, 
double eye roll. Drug traffickers employ violence, fear, and intimidation to ply their trade. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Drug traffickers use violence, fear, and intimidation to drive sales? Is that what they're trying to say here? Let's like, not here. Let's, I let's shoot not, yourself with this heroin, or forget, I'm going to shoot. Let's not forget <laughs> that the violence in Mexican Mexican drug cartels is it's a direct is a direct from... result of the prohibition and war on drugs. Uh huh. So again, government created the problem, and government thinks government more government is the solution. Uh, neighborhoods across our country are terrorized by violent drug trafficking organizations that have little regard for human life and profit from the pain and suffering of our people. Along with our law enforcement partners, DEA is committed to safeguarding the health and safety of our communities. Okay, I, I would also like to add here that a lot of the drug problem that they're trying to fight or supposedly fight and everything is opioid related which can we please throw that article in here <laughs> you know what article i'm talking about don't you which one bring it up the one about purdue manufacturer of oxycontin is basically oh, the, giving their government their company to the government to run because yeah. the government is going they, to they run were, the drug better they were just they were just fined like eight billion dollars or something like that yeah yeah so how, how much money did they make yeah. So essentially what they're saying here is the drug pro the opioid problem. I'm going to cent centralize myself on the opioid problem because I'm sorry, cocaine is not that big of a problem in this country right now. Um, <laughs> Don't forget. Don't forget that the omnibus bill that Biden wrote, uh -huh. right? Crack had a higher classification and a worse punishment than cocaine. And they're the same drug. Even though they're the same drug, but because yep. crack was a, quote, black drug. Yep. Cocaine was a, quote, white drug. White drug. White-collar drug is what how, yeah, I, that's how I've heard it is. Hash, uh, hashtag, cocaine is. Freeway Rick Ross. Look up the name. Right. And so uh, what I'm getting at here is the opioid problem, which is, yes, it's a problem. But... It's a problem that's been manufactured. Their solution is after taking control of one of the primary opioid manufacturers for prescription opioids is to crack down on the problem that was manufactured by the manufacturers of the prescription opioids. Largely at the direction of the FDA. Something like that, yeah. I mean, uh, just saying, I mean, the, so the FDA said, hey, we have all these drugs, let's use them. And now the DEA is saying, hey, we're going to crack down on all these well, drugs that the FDA told us to use. Well, not only that, it was <laughs> it was the, the whole um, issue with with the the, the doctors like over prescribing mm -hmm. pain pills. Right. And people get hooked on the pain pills. And then the DEA and the FDA is like, nope, stop that. And the people went like, oh, well, what am I going to use? And they went to things like. Heroin. heroin and fentanyl and, and crack and, and all this other stuff. Like, if they'd have just decriminalized cannabis in the first place, these people would never have went on fucking Oxycontin. You got it. So, uh, since August 1st, 2020, the DEA Seattle Field Division uh, 
state and local partners have conducted many operations in the Pacific Northwest to capture drug traffickers. The agency has so far made 146 arrests, seized 95 weapons, and $3,559,107 in seized assets. They, so in, what, two, three, two months? Almost three months? They have arrested 146 people, seized, yeah. taken 95 weapons off the street, and $3.5 million in assets. By the way, where do you think those $3.5 million in assets go? Oh, to the government. Right. I just um, wanted to point that out too yeah. while we're at it. Uh, of the numerous drugs, uh, agencies have seized 120 pounds of heroin, 18.5 pounds of powdered fentanyl, 571 pounds of methamphetamines, 37 pounds of cocaine, and 4,000 or 41,200 pills containing fentanyl. The DEA says they work with federal, state, and local partners, including the ATF um, and the U.S. Marshals. So, well, yeah, I, I guess I guess to be fair, I don't see anything related to marijuana on that list. But at the same time, well, who cares what you put in your body? Yeah, cannabis is is legal in Washington. That's true, and and Oregon, and Oregon. No. But I mean, but still, I mean, I don't care what you put in your body as long as you're not trying to bother me because of what you put in your body. Live your fucking life, dude. Yeah. If it takes care of your pain, great. I'm sorry. I, this is just fucking. Ah. It's 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 criminalization of freedom of choice. Yes. Like I don't like it. I don't like fentanyl. I don't like meth. I don't like heroin. But... I'm not a fan. I'm not a huge fan of cocaine. But I mean, at the same time, why? Whose business is it of mine, or why is it my business, or anybody's business? Mm -hmm. What you decide to do with your own goddamn body? If you want to run yourself into the ground by sticking needles between your toes, yep. I don't care. And let's it's not forget not my problem. Let's not forget that the U.S. government was one of the biggest drug traffickers in the world was? For, for over a decade. Was? Was. True, true, not was, is. But, like, look up the Air America program. Look yep. at the, uh, the Contra, old Ronnie Reagan. Yep. As I said earlier, Freeway Rick Ross. Look up for, like, there's, there's that movie with Tom Cruise. Um, that's actually called Air America. Well, no, no, no. That's no, no, that's no. the that's the Mel that's Gibson. the one. With Mel, that's what Mel Gibson. That's that's Air America. That's the one we're in the Southeast Asia. Yep. Uh, there's the newer one with Tom Cruise, which is based out of Arkansas. Mean yep. Ark. Um, I can't remember the name of that movie, but no, nope, I know which one you're talking about. That's that's the one that led to Freeway Rick Ross and and all the uh, the Contra affair and yep. um, old Pablo Escobar and. All that good. I'm sure someone's gonna message me. I just and I'm gonna and, feel dumb and, as soon as I see the name because I know the name. Oh, here, just give me a second yeah. here. Um, the power of Google compels you. Yeah, uh, DEA special agent in charge Keith Weiss said violence and illegal drug trafficking often coincide, threatening the safety of communities. American made. American made. Yes, that one. 
um, threatening the safety of communities. Like, quote, while conducting investigations, we continually counter or encounter individuals associated with violent actions that have included kidnapping, armed assaults, home invasions, murder for hire, weapons trafficking, and distributing the most dangerous drug we face, fentanyl. Okay, like, I, I would like to point out, kid, yes, kidnapping, fentanyl. Kidnapping, armed assaults, home invasions, murder for hire, weapons trafficking, and distributing drugs. All things the government does on, on a, a regular daily basis. And I would like to point out that, yes, fentanyl is a very powerful drug, and it's very easy to overdose on fentanyl. Yeah. There is another more powerful drug. Th I think it's called carfentanil. No, there's a, a new one that is worse than fentanyl that was recently approved by the FDA. Or more powerful than, than oxycodone that was recently approved. Um, I can't remember the name of that. That was approved for, I think it was military use. I think this one here that I'm, that I'm talking about, I think it's carfentanil, which is like twice as powerful as, or three times as powerful as fentanyl. And that's been around for a while. I, I saw a comparison one time where it showed like how much heroin it took to overdose, how much fentanyl it took to overdose, and then how much of this carfentanil it took to overdose. Mm -hmm. And it was like one grain of sand's worth of this carfentanil was enough to yeah. kill you. So I'm sure Matt Freeman, if you hear this from the Status Quo podcast, he's a ex-army medic. He knows about this sort of stuff. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll message me. And I would like to also point out that a lot of this opioid problem can also be pointed to, a, at least in some degree, to the Afghanistan war. Just because yeah. there, there's a lot of opium that comes out of Afghanistan, and it, the war in Afghanistan really didn't start until after they had started changing some of their agricultural exports to not include so much opium. Well, there's a, there's a lot of reports of soldiers doing nothing but protecting opium poppy fields. Oh, poppy fields yeah poppy fields yeah so it is yeah, what it I is just, i just want to point that out that the when people say that the u.s government is one of the largest drug traffickers in the world they're not lying to you <laughs> largest drug traffickers and one of the largest polluters so the U.S. government literally sucks, guys. <laughs> uh, well, government as a whole sucks. It doesn't matter what country you're in. But some, I mean, some are some are worse than others. Some are worse than others. But it, it doesn't. When you look at the United States, the United States is an imperial power. Yeah, they're not an imperial power in the sense of like think eight nineteen or eighteen hundreds and before imperialism. But think about how many countries the U.S. has a military presence in today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... They, well, they, well, they have like 159 military bases outside the United States or something like that. I think they have, I think they have more than that out, as far as bases outside the U.S. I think that's how many countries they have a military presence in. I think it's like 126. So... I don't know. Uh, Either way, that it's just astronomically stupid. 
the number. Uh, mil- military of the United States is deployed in more than 150 countries around the world with approximately 165,000 of its active, active duty personnel permanently assigned outside the borders of the United States and its territories. And that does not include Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. Lovely. So, so this poli- political political from 2015 says, uh, despite recent closing of hundreds of bases in Iraq and Afghanistan, the United States still maintains about 800 military bases in more than 70 countries and territories abroad. From giant, quote, little Americas to small radar facilities. Yeah, Jesus. Well, I was going to say, I know like there's several uh, listening posts and stuff in South America that aren't officially there yeah, where all they radar, are is they're a, re- they're a radar post or a comms relay post or something like that that's all they do they have like six guys that sit in a hut on the top of a mountain with a radar station yeah <laughs> that would be fuck. that'd be a shitty job i couldn't stand that oh they drive me nuts like if, if i was if i was alone it'd be easier than if it was just five or six guys like, do it like, like it used to be my dream to sit in a fire watchtower for a summer. Like that would be cool as fuck. I was but. actually disappointed that they they stopped doing that in Wisconsin. Yeah. Because uh, if you go all over the state, especially in the flatlands, they ha- you can see them the towers that pop up over the landscape, and it gets it's depressing because none of them are manned anymore. They stopped doing it like seven years ago. You should look into it. There's a a lot of them you can rent. Rent out like an Airbnb style. Stay That'd be cool. For, stay there for a couple of days. I know there's one there's one place that was, uh, I can't remember what the building actually was. I think it might have been just a private residence, where they built a fire watchtower onto the bill onto the house. Then it went it goes up like eight stories, but it's all enclosed. Yeah, there's a lot of those in like uh, uh, Colorado and Montana. They'll have like a like a turret on the side of the house that rises high above it. I, I always thought that would be fun to have that place because it'd be cool to have a fucking turret. Fuck yeah, it would. <laughs> um, Until right, the government got... shows up with their bear cat, but I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not very armored on the top. With my, or on my... the bottom when they drive the bear cat through it. <laughs> Me and my bear are falling along with it. I don't have a bear. I live in California. Don't shoot me. All right. Don't um, re- Hashtag don't red flag me, bro. Don't red flag me, bro. <laughs> don't join. Don't join me, bro. Um, I'm at this one. Irish citizens donate more than one million to Native Americans in repayment of historic debt. I love this story. I wish Andrew's here. Andrew, our our homie, is uh, he has dual citizenship. He was actually, I think, he was born in Ireland. I believe he was, yeah. And then moved here when he was like eight or nine or whatever, something like that. So. But yeah, he has dual citizenship with Ireland, all that good stuff. But uh, um, a bid to raise money for Native American tribes impacted by the coronavirus has seen more than six million handed in to those in need after outpouring of support from Irish citizens looking to repay a 173-year-old debt. 
Residents of the Navajo Nation, a territory that straddles the U.S. states of Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, have have at points been among the worst affected by the pandemic worldwide. That's because the federal government doesn't give a shit about the Native Americans. Uh, was 6% of the region's population infected so far. Among the issues facing residents were a lack of access to clean running water for hygiene purposes, with one in three living without indoor plumbing. However, an outpouring of support has come from an unlikely source, Irish residents across the Atlantic looking to offer support as a repayment for Native American solidarity shown during the Great Potato Famine of the 1840s. In 1847, the Choctaw Nation sent $170, equivalent to to $5,000 in today's money, to starving Irish families suffering from the effects of the potato blight, which caused around a million deaths. Quote, one of our leadership members started noticing we were receiving a large sum of donations from Ireland. Uh, that is from Cassandra Begay from the Navajo and Hopi, Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Group. Uh, quote, and it's like, what's going on? Is our account being hacked? Spurred on by the support of Irish citizens who were among those who donated the cause back in May when the campaign broke the million-dollar mark, the organization has since been able to amass more than $5,968,000. Uh, In total, some 26,500 Irish citizens are reported to have donated more than a million dollars towards the campaign, which have been used to distribute more than a thousand gallons of water, as well as food items, including flour and blue cornmeal. Ms. Begay added, quote, we will never forget the history we made together. We will never forget how the Irishman is feel, heard and seen in this beautiful way. So. Just goes to show you that actually taking it upon yourselves to do a good deed for people who need help will not go unnoticed. It might not happen in your lifetime. It may be well, something that happens down down the road to some of your descendants. But stepping up and doing what is right to help people who need help. Well, yeah, it's that's <sighs> that is at the we, root. When, when we advocate voluntarism. One of the first counter arguments that comes across from, from the super status is, but what about the, the old and the poor? Right? Well, who, who, who will take care of grandma? Blah, 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 blah. That is the responsibility that, of those that are producing currently to well, take care of or to help them in any way that they have this, the means to help them. This is a perfect example of voluntarism. Yeah. This is a perfect example of people taking care of people. And I say again and again that there is, there's nothing the government does or claims to do that we, through communal and individual voluntary action, cannot do for ourselves. And do better. And in many cases, do better, yeah. I mean, we, only, we, can't, we can't waste money like they do, but... No. But it, well, <laughs> there's two things government does better than private industry. One is waste money, and two is kill. I mean... Well, I yeah. I mean, it, in especially when you talk about the number of government-related deaths in the 20th century. I mean, you're talking... Democide, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is a perfect example of, hey, stepping up and helping people. I mean, these, these are not the people that the Choctaw Nation and other Native American communities... The t- people today are not the ones that got that were assisted by them 
160, 70 100, years 100, ago. 170 years ago. 170 years ago. Yeah. However, that hasn't been forgotten by those who received that help. Yep, so. Because their descendants were told, look, these people who probably didn't have a whole lot to offer in the way of help in the first place. Oh, God, no. Scraped it together <laughs> and sent us what they could to help. It would be stupid of us not to try to return the favor. Yep. And in this case, they returned the favor massively. And what is it? I a mean, million? And it was like 26,500 people? Yeah. That, 26. That, that comes out to about $37.74 each. So less, less than 40 bucks each. But look what they were able to do with 40 bucks a head. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think that your tiny contribution to that charity down the road that helps underprivileged children or um, that guy, that guy sitting on the corner who doesn't look like he's had a shower in three weeks, (laughs) if you gave him 40 bucks, he would probably, they just, they put up, they put up so many fucking anti-panhandling signs, signs here. Made panhandling a crime. And there's a lot of there's a lot of places or a lot of, yeah here in Wisconsin there's a lot of places that have done the same thing, you know uh, where Andrew lives right now, they if I remember correctly they passed an ordinance where if you want to yeah, panhandle it's, it's illegal here, it's not illegal you have to go to the city hall and pay twenty five dollars to get a permit <laughs> to get a panhandling permit. God damn! <laughs> if I had good tw- for if I had twenty five hundred dollars, I wouldn't and, need a fucking panhandling permit. Right? It's not twenty five hundred, it's like twenty five bucks. Twenty twenty five dollars. Even yeah. twenty five dollars. Right. If it's like if these people had twenty five bucks to pay, they wouldn't be standing on the fucking corner begging for money in the first place. So yes. Um I got nothing else, man. I'm tired. I don't like this chair. Um, you got anything else you want to add? Uh anything you want to say? Blow gasket. No, I'm not going to blow a gasket. But I do want to point out, just listen, people. Listen to (laughs) what we've said tonight and in the previous 110 episodes where we have said over and over that the government is not here to help you. They are not here to help you. And anybody who still believes that after reading anything in the news today or over the last yep. 10 years or and better. Who, and who you vote for on Tuesday will not change that. No, not one iota. You could walk in and sign and put down Mickey fucking Mouse. And if Mickey Mouse won 270 electoral votes, nothing would change. Because yes. if it, whether it's a fictional character or great grand chairman Cheeto or dementia joe it doesn't matter nobody is going to help you the only person who can help you is you and those whom which you have developed interpersonal relations with over the previous however many years you've been a fucking live i just got sent a link (laughs) meet the dominatrix forcing trump supporters to vote for biden Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
let, I, we have well, to go through this em, now. Em, Empress Delfina is taking her submissive fans into seeing, uh, or Empress Delfina is talking her submissive fans into seeing the error of their ways for the low price of $1.99 a minute. Jesus fucking Christ, we are in the wrong job. Right? I could whip somebody into shape for fucking $1.99 a minute, man. Good Lord. Let's see. The election season, many people who wouldn't be natural allies of centrist Democrats under normal circumstances are pulling out all the stops to rally for their particular audience to vote for Trump's re-election campaign or Trump's re-election via voting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, But let's see. Uh, Let's get down. Let's talk about her. Um, Thanks to Las Vegas, Las Vegas-based professional dominatrix. Uh, named Empress Delfina, the once overlooked voting block is covered and may be voting Biden by force. She calls it, quote, Trump conversion therapy. Her ad oh, service no. reaches out to potential Biden voters as follows, quote, here's your chance to get berated for being the degenerate Trump supporter you are. I reverse the brainwash you succumbed to that you've made into the simple, stupid drone, simple, stupid drone by using lethal mind fucking language and making you repeat dumbass chants like your bullshitter-in-chief made you do to warp you into submission. I transfer your ownership to me for my personal gain to entertainment. Embrace that you need to be saved from being a trump bot Call now to begin your Trump conversion therapy. <laughs> and business, wow. is, business is booming, apparently. Well, I mean, there there's definitely a market for people who wish to be dominated, but uh. okay. Uh, quote: uh, Do you think some of those Trump guys on your social media might have been getting off on their humiliation fetish already, without paying you? They just wanted to get a free smackdown from your pro dom in that way. Uh, she says, "Correct." At one moment, I realized, wait. I think this guy's getting off on it because here I am, a hot girl humiliating him, and he's getting this attention for free. That's when I decided I should get paid for this shit and also try to get them to vote for a different leader, a Democrat. So that's when I put my ad for Trump conversion therapy up. I I would like to point out that um, it doesn't matter because in most (laughs) states, your services are illegal. (laughs) Oh man, sex! Sex is illegal. No, this, actually, this, there's this isn't sex. A, in a lot of in a lot of states, the uh, pro or the anti prostitution laws also cover dominatrixes. That's fucking stupid. Agreed, but um, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna put this link in the description to you guys. So we didn't we didn't really go over the article much, but I'm I'm gonna throw it in the because that's some funny ass <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> well, we always strive to have a stripper article. We might not have a stripper article, but damn it, we have a dominatrix. <laughs> so, all right, on that note, <laughs> on that note, buy Dirica's book. <laughs> uh, so, hashtag check. sorry, Dirica. Uh, right. Yes, buy Dirica's book. Um, critical guide to or a. a Something, something, something critical thinking. It's linked in the description. Um, Beardstruggle.com, uh, Inked yep. Anarchist 15 to get 15% off. That is also linked in the description. Uh, Road to Autonomy, 
uh, the E magazine that is put out by the fantastic Dharma, um, and go listen to that bod- podcast with her and quote unquote Silas, which is freaking Jeremy Hengeller, our podfather. And uh, cool. yeah, sorry for this weird, boring episode, you guys. In our defense, we were left unsupervised. Yes, we didn't have Derek here to keep us in check. We didn't have Andrew here to keep us on point. Oh, wait, Andrew never keeps us on point. No, Andrew goes off on rants. Yeah, we didn't have any Andrew rants. We didn't have Derek to... I'm going to go put on my plate carrier and get my underwear. That sounds like a plan. So, on that note, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.